Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 156. We are three days into reading from the Gospel of St. Mark. Today, we're reading chapters five and six. We're also praying from Psalm 21. As always, the Bible translation that I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, the Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe in whatever podcast application you are typically familiar with, as long as that podcast application allows for subscribing to the podcast. As I said, today is day three of our second Messianic checkpoint, and we're reading from Mark chapter five and six. We're also praying Psalm 21. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter five. Jesus heals the Gerasene demoniac. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had come out of the boat, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and crying aloud with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him eagerly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, Send us to the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them leave. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But he refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. A girl restored to life and a woman healed. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. There came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and begged him saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, If I touch even his garments... I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, 
who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked, for she was twelve years old, and immediately they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Chapter 6. The Rejection of Jesus at Nazareth He went away from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? and brother of James, and Joses, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages, teaching. The Mission of the Twelve And he called to him the twelve, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Where you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. And if any place will not receive you, and they refuse to hear you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet for a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many demons, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. The Death of John the Baptist King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, that is why these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and kept him safe. When he heard him, he was much perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But... An opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, 
And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will grant it. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask of me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard and gave orders to bring his head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Feeding the 5,000 The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Now many saw them going and knew them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. As he landed, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the hour is now late. Send them away, to go into the country and villages round about, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread, and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down by companies upon the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Jesus walks on the sea. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when it was evening, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were distressed in rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, have no fear. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus heals the sick in Gennesaret. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored on the shore. And when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole neighborhood and began to bring sick people on their pallets to any place where they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Psalm 21 Thanksgiving for Victory To the Choir Master, A Psalm of David In your strength the King rejoices, O Lord, and in your help how greatly he exalts. 
You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with goodly blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your help. Splendor and majesty you bestow upon him. Yes, you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your face. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. You will destroy their offspring from the earth and their children from among the sons of men. If they plan evil against you, if they devise mischief, they will not succeed, for you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Father in heaven, we give you praise and we exalt your name and we do sing and praise your power and be exalted, Lord, in your strength and your goodness and your holiness because you have revealed your deepest character. Your character is that you love us. Your character is that you are love. You don't just love us, God. You are love. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are an eternal exchange of love. Father, you so love the world. Once again, we're reminded you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son so that all who believe in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. You set us free. You set us free from slavery to sin and slavery to Satan, the evil one. Help us to live in that freedom. Help us to live in your love and help us to receive the grace of your redemption that you offer to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Gosh, okay, so I love this Messianic checkpoints, you guys. Clearly, I'm very excited about this. Okay, we begin in chapter five by looking at Jesus doing another exorcism. Now, Jesus is going all over the place doing exorcisms. We already, we're in chapter five and he's done like a gajillion already. Not only that, but later on in chapter six, Jesus is going to send out the 12, the apostles, and they're going to, in chapter six, verse seven, it says, he called to him, the 12, and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. So Jesus is sending out the apostles, not just to heal, not just to preach, not just to teach. He's sending them out to do exorcisms. I mean, he's sending them out to have authority over unclean spirits. And so we have at the beginning of chapter five, Jesus healing the Gerasene demoniac, who it says very clearly that when Jesus says, what is your name? He says, legion. Legion means many, right? And he gets exercised and goes into the pigs, which to the apostles and to Jesus doesn't really matter because why? Because swine are unclean animals. Pigs are unclean animals. But to the Gentiles who are living in the region, that's kind of a big thing. And 2,000 of them is kind of a big thing. And so they drive them out of the area. But for Jesus, one human being is worth vastly more, vastly more than 2,000 pigs, even if pigs were valuable. I mean, even if the even if it was, even if it was 2,000 sheep, one human being. I mean, what does Jesus teach us? He teaches us that not a sparrow falls to the ground from the sky without the father knowing and noticing and caring. And he says, you are worth more than many sparrows. So this one man's deliverance from, from Satan, from the evil one, from evil spirits is worth vastly more than 2000 swine. And that just shows us something about the, the, how the Lord cares for us. But also going back to the concept of exorcisms, we have to understand a biblical worldview. And that's why we're doing these 365 days. That's why we're on day 156 out of 365 days is because we want to have a lens to look at the world the way the Bible teaches us to look at the world. And one of the things about this world is that 
this world is not just this world, right? There's matter, there's stuff, and that stuff is good. We go back all the way to Genesis chapter one. God sees all the stuff he makes and it's good. But we realize, we know this is true, that there's more to this world than just what we see. There is a spiritual world and we know there are enemies more than just our like natural enemies or our, our physical enemies. There are principalities and powers. And ever since the fall, I mean, gosh, we're going through the Old Testament and what do we see? We see brokenness after brokenness after brokenness. And God is, is, is like a pinprick of light into all this brokenness because after the fall, this world belongs to the evil one. We, this, the biblical worldview is after the fall, the world is under the dominion of Satan. It's under the dominion of the evil one. And so when here is Jesus and he's not just here to heal and he's not just here to preach and he's not just here to teach, he's here to fight, right? When we talked about the baptism of Jesus by John in the Jordan, and then what does he do? He goes into the wilderness to fight. That's what kings do. And that is what he's doing. Every single exorcism is Jesus taking back the father's kingdom from the evil one. And what happens is if you're, if I'm living, if we're living in the kingdom of the evil one, that means we belong to him. Even if we're made in God's image and likeness, if we're living under the dominion of the evil one, that means we're living under his dominion. And so what has to happen is these exorcisms. In fact, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in the rite of baptism in the Catholic church, there is a rite of exorcism. It happens every single baptism where we're saying, no, you're being claimed for the reign of Jesus Christ. You're being claimed for the kingdom of God. Therefore, first, before you're claimed for the kingdom of God, you have to be delivered from the kingdom of the evil one. The kingdom of Satan, you know, and this is the thing is wherever the gospel has been proclaimed, this is, this is from the very beginning, wherever the gospel has been proclaimed, wherever Christ has been proclaimed, that always uh, is accompanied by exorcisms. In fact, you, we have stories of exorcisms going up, obviously all the way back to the new Testament, but then early missionaries talk about every single time they encountered a new culture, they had to do exorcisms because People just naturally are born into the kingdom, the dominion of Satan. We have to be delivered from this. So there's a man who is a, he's the world's first PhD in exorcism. He's a priest from Spain. And at one point he was doing studies on why were there so few exorcisms done in the middle ages, essentially. And his conclusion, at least his conclusion was that it was because people were baptized. And so because they were baptized, they were transferred early, right? Baptized, typically baptized when they were infants, transferred right away from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And therefore Satan had no hold on them. He could not possess them because they already belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, even during those middle ages, wherever missionaries were sent out, they always still had to do exorcisms. But now there is this incredible rise in the need for exorcisms because two things. One is people are not baptizing, getting baptized. And so here's Satan who already owns them. And secondly, even those who are being baptized are denying the faith to such a degree and they're choosing Satan to such a degree that there's a need for exorcisms once again. And that's not to scare anybody because especially if you're baptized, you're protected. I mean, that's, that's the great news because why? Gosh, all we have to do is look in chapters five and chapter six and we can see that here's Jesus and the disciples, the apostles, right? After they get back from doing all this mission work, they just want to go to a lonely place. They just want to be by themselves. They haven't had time to eat. And they get out of the boat and there's so many people there. And it says that Jesus's heart was moved with compassion for them. And it's just so powerful like to recognize that because um, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he's the good shepherd. I mean, this is the same as we saw in the story of Jairus's daughter. You know, for us, we think, of course, he'll heal a, a little girl, a 12-year-old girl. But in the ancient world, Children were worth zero. I mean, children were, I mean, we value children now in our modern age because of Christianity. 
But back in the day, children were kind of, they were not seen as necessarily having a lot of worth. Not only did he hear this, heal this child, or sorry, raise her from the dead. Sorry, I didn't mean to minimize what the Lord had done. Raise her from the dead. He also heals this woman who had been sick for 12 years. And just is so good, so powerful, so beautiful that here he is exhausted with his disciples who are exhausted and they want to go just on a retreat, want to get some sleep, want to eat, feed themselves. And people meet them and Jesus says, okay, you're going to go feed them. This is so powerful where Jesus says to the apostles who have now have gone out, right? They've cast out demons. They've proclaimed the gospel in the name of Jesus. And they say, yeah, they're hungry. Send them into the towns and villages to get something to eat. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And basically they say, we can't, we don't have enough. You know, for me as, as a priest, that's exactly how I feel all of the time. Jesus, they're starving. And he says, you give them something. I'm like, Jesus, I don't have anything. And that's what Jesus says. Okay, what do you have? What do you have? How many loaves do you have? And he said, we have five loaves and two fish. And what happens? They give what they do have to Jesus. And then Jesus blesses it and gives it back to them. And then they distribute it. And this is, this is the model for us. This is the model for us. We give Jesus what we do have. He takes it. He blesses it. He hands it back to us. And then we just, we offer it. And in so many ways, that's what every one of us is called to do our entire life. Lord, I don't have enough. You're right. Give me what you do have. He receives it. He blesses it. He gives it back to us. And we just hand it out. We just distribute it. It's so, so important. So important for us. Jesus says in all this, he says twice in today's readings, only in today's readings alone, Jesus twice says, do not be afraid. And so especially when we find ourselves overwhelmed, we find ourselves in, a, in storms, we find ourselves with little, we find ourselves lacking enough. And Jesus speaks to you today, just like he speaks to me. He is, he is speaking to me through his word. Do not be afraid. Give what you have. Let him take it, bless it, give it back to you, and then hand it out. That's the model. And that's what we do. Gosh, another day. <laughs> what a gift to walk with Jesus for these days in this messianic checkpoint of the gospel of St. Mark. I'm praying for you. Please, please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.